and welcome to a brand new episode of the Bunkerzilla Film Raw here at Bunkerzilla UK, your place for all things film related in these strange times, especially on the digital realm. I'm one of your hosts, Ian Bolton, and I'm joined as always by my cinematic partner in crime. It is Christian R. Allen. Hello, Christian. Hello, Ian. How are we doing? I'm oh, doing fine. Um, I've just uh, I've been binging on The Simpsons. Uh, uh, unfortunately, because, uh, although Disney Plus have kindly uploaded every single episode, they've cropped them to hell. Yes, and, which has meant a lot of the great visual gags are rendered pointless. So I've had to actually resort to going to eBay and buying. Uh, I don't know if our younger audiences are aware of these things. They're called DVDs. It stands for Digital Versatile Disc. Uh, it's amazing. Basically, any film or television program you want to watch, it's pressed on like a like a like a it's like a vinyl but smaller and shiny. You mean like uh, CDs? Pardon, sorry. Like CDs? They're just they were they were before DVDs, but they also had audio, just really? audio. Tell, yes. Tell me more. Well, is that like a, is that like a physical MP3? Yes, it's like a physical disc copy which you could play in a music player or even your computer when they had a CD drive. What's a CD drive, Ian? Uh, well, <laughs> this doesn't sound as a this doesn't sound as a practical as a vinyl player that costs no. three thousand pounds to set no. up. No, have you heard about Laserdisc though? It's a brand new invention that I heard. <laughs> to be fair, all right, just to be serious for a moment, I'm convinced picture quality on Laserdiscs are not as bad as people remember because they actually use they they use an analog signal, mm. so they they, they, sort of, they generate a, a more warm filmic quality about them than some early DVDs. Mm. But I wouldn't recommend anyone get into collecting laser discs because some people do, and it's they, very expensive. <laughs> I'm sure I saw the you know the, the first director's cut edition of Terminator Two on laser disc going for a grand, or so ridiculous that even though it's now widely available on Blu-ray, or or if you want a slightly cheaper hobby, HD DVD. <laughs> there was an episode. I'm I'm also binging on BoJack Horseman at the moment. I'm halfway through the show, um, so I'm not going to give spoilers or anything I, like that. Just a, just before you, before you you add your comments, I would say binging is a fairly strong word, especially when you may need to take little moments. Okay, well, I, I, binge, I binge a season. Yeah, I stop. Then I, I I genuinely had to tap out after series the beginning of series two. Oh yeah, it, I, I no one I know who's who has watched this series has been able to watch it in one sitting. Yeah. Um, because apparently uh, everything that Bojack does is awful and is relatable, too mm. horrendously relatable to every single human being that's ever lived. Yeah. Uh, the, but... uh, the point the point I was going to make is there's, there's, an episode, there's a flashback episode set in 2007, and I love their flashback episodes because there's always music playing, and the lyrics are things like "It's the year 2007. Why are we mentioning this? You already know," or stuff like that. And um, yeah, Bojack has a great gag where Bojack's just bought his first HD DVD player. And they're talking about how it's the future. <laughs> and I'm like, that's such a stupid little niche joke that only saddos like you and me are ever going to chuckle at. Yeah. I, I don't think I, most people even rem- like even know HD DVD was I a thing. legitimately owned an HD DVD Blu-ray player. <laughs> I did. It, it played both? Uh, no, not Blu-ray player. No, oh, just the HD DVD player. Sorry, oh, I great. See, this is how well Blu-ray's been ingrained in, in society now. It's basically, oh, yeah, it's like a Blu-ray player. No, no, no. This was the alternative to Blu-ray player, and the only studios, I think, that signed up to it was Universal and Warner Brothers. Everyone else had gone to Blu-ray. Why, why did people pick Blu-ray? Was it, was it similar to the Betamax VHS situation, where it was basically the porn industry? 
Yeah, I believe so. I think it was sim. I I think it was similar along those lines. It's basically the more the more studios went to Blu-ray because they preferred the quality. Um, I couldn't tell the difference to be perfectly honest. It was like, oh, this is high definition and cheap. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're very cheap now. I do see them pop up in like CEX around. Oh, what was because was it the um, yeah, the HD DVD player when I when I got it was like probably two hundred, three hundred quid or something like that. Yeah. Whereas the Blu-ray player, the very first one from Sony, was about a grand. What? Yeah. I just, I just waited for a PS3. <laughs> that was my plan. E- even more hilarious is when um is when um Blu-rays uh when you start when you actually when the very first Blu-rays they took ages to load. <laughs> it's I like do I I'm I I dread every time I put a Blu-ray a disc into my player and the Universal logo kicks in. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, the, the, the way they formatted their Blu-rays, there's the same generic menu and this weird button combination that doesn't is different for every other Blu-ray release. Mm. And like every time, if you if you leave it paused for three seconds, it shuts down with a, a universal screensaver. Oh yeah, I had I had that. They it's even with the 4K. Even with the 4K, yes, it happens. Yes, it's exactly course, the same. I was watching Scarface, and I sort of paused, went to get like a drink or a, and a brief snack or something like that. I come back, it's like Universal. It's like what? No, play the film. None of the <laughs> buttons work. You have to push stop and then play again. It's just like ah, the frustration. Generally, I'd rather have a VHS than a Universal Blu-ray at this point. It's driving me mad. No other Blu-ray I own from any other distributor or producer causes me such stress as universal ah so we won't be sponsored by universal then oh, the films are good apart <laughs> from you know <laughs> it's like oh yeah well well they, they did 1917 1917 is a great movie yeah. they also did uh the mummy starring tom cruise or brendan fraser if you pick the right mummy film that is the right mummy film not, not the tom cruise one is not the right oh god run okay, tom okay. run run from the mummy <laughs> hey, do you remember those fun uh, mummy movies from the 90s? Yeah. Well, imagine if we did that, but in the style of every Mission Impossible movie. And has Tom Cruise running. And you want, imagine if we set up a shared universe with Dr. Jekyll, the Invisible Man, Wolfman. Oh, right. they, 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 and it, it never happened. Dark, it was called the Dark Universe, wasn't yeah. it? They yeah. Even created, they even created a unique universal title. Mm. And they thought, oh, oh yeah, this, this, will, this, will be, this will be the real shit. This is going to be some good <laughs> shit. And at, like, at, least, at least the MCU, like, all praise to Kevin Feige, is that it kind of, although there was clearly a plan there, we wouldn't have known about that plan if those first two or three movies failed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if, if Iron Man didn't work, then like we would never, you know, we, the, the declaration to, to sort of create this insanely vast cinematic universe was not obvious from the offset. Yeah, I think I think when Marvel, when the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, worked very very well, obviously for for Disney and for the studios, uh, all the other sort of big property owners kind of looked at it and went, "How can we get in on this?" And then we we obviously see what happened to DC when they're just going, "Quick, get to the Justice League, shove yeah, it." Them trying to catch up with the MCU was disastrous. Yeah, I mean, there, there is no DC extended universe. There, there's no real canon anymore between these films. I think they call it World of D- Worlds of DC now. It's just, it's just a broad umbrella term. It means nothing. Yeah, um, sadly. And there hasn't, there hasn't been a decent DC. Uh, to, to be fair, I really enjoyed Shazam. Shazam. I thought that was 
Shazoom! Um, and Wonder Woman was great. And I will defend the CGA, CGI cluster fudge that was the final fight to the end of times. I really liked that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm aware I'm an outlier. Uh, so, but um, I have never been more depressed than watching uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I have only been able to watch around about 25% of Justice League. It's so cringe. I just have to turn it off. I can't. Have you actually, have you watched Justice League? Yeah, I saw it at the cinema. How did you, how did the audience react to that weird CGI smile from Superman? You know, the whole mustache replacement. Or was there no real buzz at all? Indifferent shrug. It's kind of worse than people laughing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was it was kind of like again they were kind of setting up because at, at the end of Justice League during the end credits they set up uh, Deathstroke coming in with um, with bald Lex Luthor played by Jesse Eisenberg again. Yeah. You kind of think, oh, this actually might be quite. This is like, oh, they're starting to gain speed. Now. I was like, no, no. The, fir- the film but- the, the film was not as big as the Avengers, sadly, and hence why all these separate other films. I mean, it's like Birds of Prey. Um, Again, it's a pretty decent old film. I like it. It's, uh, I think it's on uh, digital very, very soon in the UK. But it, yeah, it doesn't seem to have had any form. I, I don't think five years from now people will be talking about Bird of Prey, Birds of Prey, sorry, or the yeah. fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Is that the full name of the film? I believe so. Bonus points for you. Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, tell you what, if you if you really like Harley Quinn, just watch the 90s animated Batman series. Yeah. Harley yeah. Quinnade, such a great episode. Mm-hmm. Ivy and Harley, oh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> anyway, let's crack on with the show. And uh, yes, we have two movie suggestions this week. Um, I think they have both come from me this time because I think the original the original plan for Christian's choice of film was not available. No, I, I don't understand. I, I've, I've looked at the... Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I can't explain it. It just never materialized. So I guess this is the trap. This is the trappings of Netflix and other streaming devices. Is that yeah. these things can be just, you know, they're, they're today, like gone tomorrow, and that sort of thing, yeah. or or not properly explained that it is for certain territories. It's like, for example, um, uh, the bonds are on Amazon Prime everywhere except the UK, <laughs> which which just fucking sucks <laughs> yep because <laughs> it's like oh then i can i can watch some of the bonds in in uhd without having to rent them from apple nope mm. nope no and it's the same like um because obviously disney plus have put frozen 2 and onward on the u.s version not the uk frozen 2 isn't coming until july i think and I'm not sure about Onward, but it's, it's kind of the frustrating thing a little bit with digital is basically... I, I thought Onward, Onward was already available in the UK. Uh, it's currently not. Oh, so that's surprising. I, I, if, if, if I'm wrong, UK listeners, please let me know. Email us at contact at bungzilla.co.uk. Anyway, uh, so yes, yeah, so we have two, two suggestions from myself this time around. And uh, we're going to start off with, well, considering it was WrestleMania weekend last weekend of recording, we have uh, the main event, which is a, a WWE studio Netflix family film where a young kid discovers a magical luchador mask and aims to help his family out by winning a WWE wrestling tournament. And hijinks ensure um well it's it's wwe themed obviously because wwe produced it uh so you've got wrestlers as themselves so you can see the Miz, you can see kofi and then you've got wrestlers as other characters so a lot of the nxt um 
uh, crowd pick up in here. So you'll see uh, Keith Lee, even Otis, Otis before he moved over to the main roster, uh, Mia Yim, and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a combination of of sorts with a weird hybrid version of NXT that never made any sense at all. <laughs> I think I think the basic way to to to, to gently start up, and this is probably the way to go, the way to decide whether this film is for you or not. If you're a kid, this will be fine. If you're an adult WWE fan, you're going to be holes on a lot of the things. Here. <laughs> um, so yes, um, I, I think you. I think judging by your Facebook comments, you you've been stewing on something for this one. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's it's a difficult one uh, because there are moments in this film where um, it seems quite oddly authentic to the experience of being a child wrestling fan. Yeah. Um, the uh, I think I think his grandmother is it is it Denise Thompson the name of the character? Uh, yes, the grandmother. Yeah, grandmother character played by um, uh, I think it's Titchener Arnold. She um, she's actually quite she's quite good comic relief throughout the film. Mm. And there are moment there are, there are things she says in her sort of enthusiastic attitude towards engaging with her grandson's um passion that is the wwe she's quite endearing but the, the way she drools and i think drools is the oh, the, the yeah. accurate word there. the way she drools over kofi kingston i kid you not she was using she had the same mannerisms and was using the same words my mum used to describe a use for describing triple h when i was trying to watch wwf back in the day and i'm a 10 year old and i don't want to hear this from my mum I just want to focus on The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin kicking Triple H's ass and, you know, reclaiming their WWF championship. I don't want my mum going, oh, I want to climb those pecs. I'll just say. <laughs> so bringing back some real life, um, real life. Uh, I, 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 had, I had flashbacks of being a child wrestling fan. Mm. So there, there's clearly, clearly the, the creative team behind this were able to put themselves back into that mindset yeah um so that there are those elements are actually quite good unfortunately everything else is pretty subpar to say the least um yeah i think i think my my i've got a few i've got a few things i mean generally like i said for, for kids that love wwe i think they will find this a very decent distraction for like yeah but it's, like, it's not it's not a cinema release is it no it's, it's, no it's, 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 it's well i mean it's, in terms of the type of film we're being presented this i would expect to see thrown away on the disney channel mm. for like you know like those like those awful sitcoms they they've been knocking out for decades now it's it's that caliber of yeah. storytelling the the I think you're right. I think young children will be entertained. And it is cool seeing those superstars. And I will actually, I'll give praise to Keith Lee. Oh, yeah. I thought he was excellent in this, actually. And he he'd clearly, he'd clearly um, was channeling his own real life professional frustrations into this performance. And it, yeah. it was quite effective and very sweet. Yeah, Keith, Keith Lee is absolute charisma. Whether you're watching him in an actual wrestling match or even in this film, there's just a nice layer of charisma to him that makes him so likable. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the most naturally charismatic um, superstar since The Rock, in my mm. opinion. And hopefully the next couple of years, I mean, it's a bit of a tangent, the WWE are able to utilise this performer um, appropriately because he could be huge. And in the, in this film, he's great. 
Mm. Uh, he, play, he plays Smooth Operator is the name of his yeah. gimmick, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, he just likes to do a little bit of a singing as well. So he has a decent little singing voice as well. I didn't know he could do that because he doesn't do that in wrestling. No, <laughs> no, he, no, he just he just kind of goes to the ring as like as that charismatic stroll. And it's just, it's just like, um, I think I talked about this with you when we've been watching wrestling, is when Eve Lee can just stand there and just kind of just do a gentle move of his shoulder or just make one step or, or a facial movement. And it's just kind of like, this guy's just cool as ice. He's just yeah. that, he is he is Captain Cool right now. <laughs> Do you know who isn't as cool as ice? Vanilla. Vanilla ice. Yeah, there we <laughs> hey! go. Pun of <laughs> pun of the episode. Um, because you yeah, because it's a bit weird seeing um because Otis is there as well. And considering we've all we've all been getting used to Otis as lovable, loveful scamp, <laughs> it's like. Like he's, he's a villain. He's a villain in this, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, which was just and he and he farts a kid out of the ring. Oh god! The power of farts throws you over the top rope. All right, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna amend a previous statement. This isn't a poor man's Disney Channel TV movie. This is a poor man's Nickelodeon uh, TV movie. Oh. Right. It's yeah, yeah. Um, um, but no, I th- I think you are right to that degree. It's something that would probably find its way home on Nickelodeon or even Disney. Um my my little my little issues with the film. I think the main issue I have is this film is ridiculously too long. It's yes. an it's an it's an hour and fifty minutes and it's just and it's including unnecessary subplots that I have no idea we need. The talent show. It's like I I, I guess it's kinda like him I guess it's kinda like the, the, the main kid, um the main kid Leo played by Seth Carl trying to kind of uh, woo the girl of his dreams and stuff like that, and kind of ha- hang out with his friends. Can I can I just point out what ten year old is trying to woo the girl of their dreams? I don't recall this being a ten year old conversation. It's like thirteen yeah, plus, maybe I don't know. It just felt like the a the sort of like the the, the romantic romantic element was just really unnatural. Yeah, it, again, it's like like I said, it's a subplot. That isn't really needed. You could have done something else, like, oh, it's like you didn't need to do the whole sort of dance kind of thing. It's kind of like, oh, I'm performing. Come see me. Be really supportive. And then, okay, then you have that little bit of friction. But the fact is, we're we're taking an hour and fifty minutes to go through all this, and a lot of it could have been streamlined very quickly. To yeah. be perfectly honest, because uh, I mean, again, it's like you are obviously if you're a family. If, if you've got a family and you're looking for stuff to watch over this Easter week, over the Easter weekend or the Easter holidays and stuff like that, this, I think this could be testing. This could be slightly testing, especially when things just keep plodding along very slowly. I mean, there's, there's, there is a, there's an admiral attempt to do like uh, a parental subplot because of, because the kid's father is suffering from, or is basically trying to get over a breakup or get over the separation that his wife has left him and stuff like that. But again, it just feels lost in the shuffle. And it's strange because the grandmother who's um, homing the the father and the son, uh, yeah. her grandson, it's her daughter who's ran off. Which is even weirder. It doesn't make any sense. That that, that wouldn't happen in real life at all. Yeah. And I, I, the way that the tone of this, of this um, family backstory, I thought, the, I thought the mother character had died. Yeah, I, orig- I originally thought the mother character had died. And so there was a moment 20, 30 minutes into the film when the dad kind of acknowledges that his wife has just ran off with another guy. I was just kind of 
<laughs> it's like, well, this is unexpected. You know the gif of the guy who looks like Dexter, who just looks slightly bewildered. Yeah. Like, like the stupidity of someone talking. That was my face for 10 minutes afterwards. Um, <laughs> I was just, I was just a bit, yeah, it was just, it was strange. There's, there's a weird inauthentic streak all the way through the film. As much as, as much as the being a fan of wrestling as a 10 year old seemed right to me, mm. everything around it just felt uh, uh, absolutely false yeah and if you i would be hard pressed I, i'd recommend this if you are a 10 year old kid and you love wwe and you're a big fan of say like the new day kofi kingston oh, yeah. or even like keith lee or or the miz a lot a lot know. of a lot of the the kid friendly wrestlers are in this film yes the kid friendly wrestlers um you're gonna enjoy this movie mm. anyone else i'll I tell you what when i was 10 I, <laughs> one of my favorite movies which wasn't age appropriate but which is clearly made influence of this film was the mask with Jim Carrey. Yes. Um, and now I, I know it was not for 10 year olds per se, but to be honest, kids like to see things that are slightly uh, more, more older than they should because they want to be perceived as cool and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine a lot of 10 year olds would probably find this film really babyish and quite boring. It's kind of like the main event. I mean, it, I think like, I, like I said, I think it, will probably be an okay family film during these times. Um, so especially if you've got WWE fans, uh, if your kids are WWE fans, they should to some degree find this entertaining or a, 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 an easy distraction for like for the length of time. But I f- it's it's not memorable. It's not something I think, oh, I'm going to keep re-watching that. It's just, it just kind of just... It's nice that it's being made, but I just, it probably, it, I don't think I was ever the target audience for this. <laughs> I don't think either of us were the target audience for this, but because we're both WWE fans and we're wrestling fans, we're just kind of curious to see how it, it all pans out. I mean, well, it's, it, it's, a it, lot it, be- it's, it's a lot better than some of the animated stuff that they've been doing. Well, this is the thing I was going to say. It's been interesting to see Vince McMahon's push into Hollywood for, what well, since the late 90s, at least. I mean, mm. there, there was attempts with Hulk Hogan to mm. sort of push into Hollywood. Yeah, no I mean, holds like, barred. Yeah, no hold barred, um, which is an objectively terrible movie. <laughs> it's like, all the other terrible Hulk Hogan movies. There was Sub- Mr. Sub- Nanny. Mr. Nanny, Suburban Sub- Commando. Uh, Free Ninjas, but then he was more of a, su- a sub uh, sub character. He wasn't really one of the main characters in it. Isn't he in Gremlins 2 as well? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you were talking about um, obviously WWE trying to sort of slowly edge their way into Hollywood. Yeah, and obviously they've got this agreement of Netflix. Um, but I, I was just just to think it, the only only John Cena and Dwayne Johnson appear to have made successes into the realms of Hollywood, and they've done that on their own. Yeah, like because if you they, look at the WWE vehicles which John Cena's been part of, it's not necessarily apart from probably the. Mar- well, the Marine in 12 Rounds were okay cinema cabin fauna. They were actually, they were cinema releases. They actually seem to have some sort of budget. Not great films, cheesy action films. You can find some enjoy. I mean, it's like in the Marine, it's John Cena versus the T-1000 as Robert Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> and his band and his band of uh, band of Jorfus who are a lot more interesting than the John Cena character. And then in 12 Rounds, you've got John Cena versus Littlefinger from um, uh, Game of Thrones. Good old Aidan Gillen going, oh, I'm going to put you through 12 rounds because he's doing his 
normal Irish accent, and I can't do an Irish accent to save my life. So I apologise. <laughs> we we noticed. Yeah. And it's like 12 rounds. If you, if you fail them, you'll never see your girlfriend again. Like my favourite cameo of his is in The Dark Knight Rises. It's just yes. Like... <laughs> You're a big guy for you. For you. <laughs> but Hang no, on, let me, let me get a glass to the microphone. Does that sound more like Ben? Does this sound like more Ben? Hello. I am Ben. It'll be yeah. extremely delightful. Oh, oh! I'm just checking. And you remember those negative five viewers we had a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, they're now doubled. <laughs> <laughs> We're down to negative ten. But um, but no, I mean it's like, yeah, John Cena has really built his sort of film, his film uh, career outside of WWE. I think ever since he he appeared in Trainwreck, his yeah, his, 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 stock, his cameo, his stock has gone up from there so it's it's taken john some time to get there train wreck uh, yeah john cena is the only redeemable feature of that film i felt he was going to be the king of crossfit and he was going to have amy schumer as his queen the queen of crossfit <laughs> i love that i'd love that little bit uh, he's, um, if, you, if you're interested in watching good uh movies starring like wwe superstars then speaking to john cena i'd highly recommend blockers not a, not a family Block- appropriate movie blockers is good Blockers, Blockers is, very, is very good. Yeah, I'd say that's more probably young adult slash American Pie age. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a modern take on American Pie. It's yeah, a, yeah, but a um, lot more sensible. Sen- yeah, a lot more sensible. Better characters, better story. Yeah, um, better representation. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Cena is hilarious in it. Like he's yeah. he's a, he's got good comedic um, sense in his performances. Mm. Um, and I also I, I watched Bumblebee for the first time recently. I didn't. He's good, he's good in Bumblebee as well. Bumblebee is brilliant. I was I my problem problem I had with Bumblebee is I went in expecting Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, because those Transformer movies have just destroyed my soul over the last fifteen years. I, I have mm. friends who are obsessed with Transformers. Yeah. And they're still trying to convince me that the cartoon series was nothing more than just a glory was like more than just a glorified advert for these crap toys that don't actually work properly mm. um i'm a bit of a cynic towards this franchise i'm sorry but no bumblebee i i loved absolutely loved and that's not just because the smiths made out the majority of the soundtrack well it's also they they honored the original toy and cartoon designs of transformers well they well. look good i don't understand why michael i know we're going off some major tangents here but i don't understand why there was such a radical departure from the original i i mean i'm not a fan but i'm i'm not stupid enough to uh, not appreciate how iconic the transformers are especially the image of optimus prime yeah and bumblebee and so if you, if you if you rewatch the sort of michael bay transformers movies i can't distinguish between most of the transformers they're, like all, Mega- they're all metal and grey. Yeah, Megatron looks like an absolute mess. It's like, it's just, what is that? It's just, it's not, it's not cool. It's just weird. But there you go, the Transformers movies made people like them. Yeah, so, but, yeah. Well, yeah, and then as much as we probably might not enjoy them, they still made a ridiculous amount of money. Yes, they did. But, um, and Bumblebee didn't seem to have been that much of a hit, compar- comparatively I speaking. I think, I think Bumblebee did get so it got its budget back. It wasn't the full blown success. I think it was up against Aquaman at the at the cinema. Really? Yeah, and, Aqu- and Aquaman hit a billion. Yeah, I, I I don't understand. I thought Aquaman was abysmal. Because I, yeah, I watched I watched Bumblebee and Aquaman the same day at the cinema. And I presume you left thinking Bumblebee was the superior film. I I think because of my fondness for the original Transformers, I enjoyed Bumblebee a hell of a lot more. Yeah. 
Um, and also, and also, there's there's a nice cast to it as well. Heidi Steinfeld as well, really mm. likable lead as well. Um, and yeah, John John Cena as gruff American commando, and this is going. Are you sure they're not the bad guys? They're called Decepticons. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment that made the movie for me because up to that point, I was a bit. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Oh no. Oh yeah. No, I'm with you. We're in. I'm invested. Come on, John Cena. Do a hit. You know, do a face turn. That's a wrestling <laughs> wrestling term there for anyone who's so bored by this conversation yeah. right now. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, 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 let's wrap it up and we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to our other film. So, star rating. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm being generous. I'm going to give it two. Uh, I think two, two, two is fair. I was tempted to give it two and a half stars, mostly because Rennie Young des- demanded blood in the film, and I found that hilarious for some reason. <laughs> I can't even rem- remember that happening. Uh, okay, two stars then. Two stars, yeah. So two stars for the main event. Yep. Right, let's move on to another more recent film. Um, was at the cinema before all cinemas got locked down. Uh, it is Bloodshot, which is Vin Diesel doing. Uh, another comic book movie outside the realms of Guardians of the Galaxy. This one is based on the property from Valiant Comics. Um, Vin Diesel plays uh, an army marine who unfortunately gets caught up in a very bloody uh, mess with some very nasty people and is, re- and is brought back to life with uh, superpowers from a scientific research facility run by Guy Pierce. In Guy Pierce role number twenty three, robotic scientist with an arm, <laughs> and uh, yes, and as he sort of comes to comes to terms with his new powers and stuff like that, and he goes out for revenge, things are not easily what they seem. Is probably putting it lightly, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so yes, uh, this this is a, a, another attempt to bring an, a brand new comic book property to the big screen. Um, I didn't really know much about Bloodshot, to be perfectly honest. The only thing I kind of picked up was the trailer, but basically you can shoot Vin a lot and Vin will just get back up again. He's kind of like a walking organic Terminator. So he's, he's yes, because it's basically it's, there's billions of nanobots that are effectively his blood. Yeah, pretty much. They, they, yeah, they mechanically rebuild him mm. every time he's physically damaged and give him super strength. Yeah, because he's like he's part of a group of like soldiers who've all had their own sort of um, life-threatening mishaps. I mean, there's uh, there's one played by Eliza Gonzalez who can't can't breathe properly, so they've built like a respirator for her. Uh, someone who's lost both their legs, so they've been given brand new shiny robotic faster legs, all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, it, uh, there's a lot of it's it's more of a sci-fi action than I guess than just pl- flat up comic book. Yeah, and I mean it, it felt more it felt more derivative of RoboCop than say the obvious comic book movie ripoff is Iron Man free. Yeah. Uh, especially if especially Guy Pierce Pierce is Pierce is playing, he's playing the same character. It's almost as if they just watched Iron Man free and yes, that do one. that. That that one. That. <laughs> I mean the moment you see Guy Pierce being being um heroic in his you know selfless um philanthropic duty towards these maimed soldiers, you just you just know he's the villain. It's yeah. just it's not even <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if the film's even attempting to um, it, it, I mean, it's, it's it's almost it's almost as, as ridiculous as um, Timothy Dalton in um, Hot Fuzz. Only obviously that film was ironic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this one this one is not. 
Um, it, would it would have been easier with Guy Pierce was having like just like a sticker saying "Hello, yes, I am Bad Guy." <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Doctor Bad Guy. Sorry, Doctor Muck Bad Guy. I am Doctor Bad Guy, and I will be playing uh, the Guy Pierce School of Villainy role number twenty three. Um, <laughs> I will be somewhat eccentric, but also quite angry. <laughs> oh man, and I just there are many problems with this film. I mean, I I I find it's. It feels like the kind of pro-military wank fodder for thirteen-year-old thirteen-year-old American boys. Um, it's just the idea that the you know, I find it very disparaging that this film basically presents an image of the United States treating its wounded soldiers with any form of decency because that is clearly not the case. I mean, it is it is a huge. Uh, the politics is pretty ugly. It is um, it has none of the nuance um, and you know intelligence of say say a Captain America movie yeah. where there is a patriotic streak. Um, however, it still it questions um, some of the more um, disastrous elements of the industrial military complex. Um, this film is not that film. It's it's dumb, and it is it's it's almost American Sniper level bad in terms of its um, its politics towards warfare. The thing that uh, really came across to me watching this is this is a very typical Vin Diesel film. Yeah, uh, there are there are clear tropes that you would see in any Vin Diesel film that that happens it's like there's always a strong there's also a bizarre strong emphasis on family and belonging you know the theme <laughs> that keeps popping up in the fast and furious franchise it works well in fast and furious doesn't it because <laughs> it's like then this this isn't the fast and furious movie well no i mean this the fast and furious movies are fa- i mean I, I will admit i haven't really what um dipped my toes into that pool but i mean it's it's obvious for many outsiders the fast and furious are presented as fantasies yeah. Um, well, this is this is trying to have its cake and eat it at the same time. It's it's a sci-fi fantasy, but it's trying to ground itself in a modern, um, a, a sort of you know, in the war of terror age. Yeah. And um, it doesn't quite work. It doesn't. It needs a bit more of a cynical bite towards it, to be honest. Yeah. And, and yeah, just um, you know, what was it? Is, is it fridging? Fridging the wife. Uh, have you heard of this expression? It's it's it basically a, a, a male character can only express emotion in an action movie when his wife has been killed. Um, it's it's from a famous um, it's from a famous scene in a Green Lantern comic book where. Okay. Um, oh, I know, I know of the I know of this the thing in the Green Lantern comic you are referring to, where is yes. someone's wife is unfortunately disposed of in a fridge. In a fridge. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I. Uh, I think part of that is that I think you're quite right there. Some of it is true because obviously his his wife, the wife character, does appear to be oft to try and encourage um, Vin to kind of emote in a way. I suppose. I mean, I, there there are many arguments for. It. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not immediately critical of this um, plot device. It's just because um, some some feminist perspectives in film are quite critical. I'm just more bored of it being such an obvious cliche. <laughs> mm. um, it's 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 just become an unbearable trope for me. Um, I think it's done very well in, say, a film like The Dark Knight. Um, but here, it's just, oh, great. 
because that's the only way Vin Diesel can express himself emotionally. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I, I mean, I just, I just, I d- speaking of which, I don't think Vin Diesel was particularly good in this. Yeah, it was it kind just of. Just feel like he's being fed lines. <laughs> so have a little headset, little ear, earpiece where he's just walking around saying, now say, I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to get revenge. Because <laughs> the thing about the Diesel, he is a brilliant actor. If you if you don't think so, watch Saving Private Ryan. He's only in it for the first sort of the first act after the Normandy invasion. He's he's only in it very briefly, and you can imagine why. Um, but his performance is heartbreaking. He he mm. shows a lot of promise there, and I haven't really seen. I mean, there are other films out there like Boiler Room. Apparently, he's really good in Boiler Room. He's got a very small role in that, but again, he's very. I mean, I'm not. I'm not being facetious when I say this. I think he's very good as Groot. Yeah, actually, you have to be quite, quite an astute performer and quite a lot of charisma to, uh, you know, make a character like that so lovable. And and um, relatable because it's just a tree person who says I am Groot over and over again. And and Vin Diesel is he's a huge role in the fact that he is such an iconic and popular character. Mm. So you you were saying I was I was going to raise you one one better from Groot, the Iron Giant. Yes, absolutely, very good shout. He is yep. yeah. So the, the the idea, and if you haven't watched the Iron Giant, <laughs> you should. I don't know if it's available. Um, digitally at the moment i think it is available i think it's available on dvd or something like that but i, I remember watching a thing where they considered the iron giant like the the biggest flopping animation or like what like what a huge flopping animation but it's like but years later it's it it's picked a lot of cultural reference up there and obviously brad bird went on to do things like the incredibles and ratatouille yeah so it's kind of like greatness starts sometimes in very small Small little bits. I didn't realize Brad Bird was a um, was one of the creatives in the first season of The Simpsons. Yeah, I see his name popping up on the credits, and I was just yeah. like, oh, that yeah. just connection I never ha- um, never made in my head. Yeah. But no, so like Vin, Vin Diesel, he is definitely a, a talented performer. Um, but while while we say Groot or the Iron Giant, you give a damn. Here, mm. I just couldn't give a toss. It's like, like, oh, Vin's been shot. Oh, Vin's okay. Vin's been shot again. Oh, he's okay. Well, it's kind of um, I don't know. If, do, do you remember Captain um, Captain Scarlet and the Mysterials? Oh yes. Right. So, if anyone listening who's unfamiliar, it's, it's a series produced by Jerry Anderson, the chap who created the Thunderbird series. Um, Captain Scarlet was giving the powers of immortality, which on paper made it sound like a good, an exciting series. The problem is. He cannot die, so there's no peril. Um, there, there is no point. I felt you, if you watch Captain Scarlet, there's no point. You feel like he's actually in, da- in any form of danger, and so you lose any thrill. Um, this is a problem I had with this film. It's pretty much 20 minutes in, and you're like, okay, he's. I mean, they, they talk about him needing recharging. Oh yeah, but it's it's not. It's never really explored. In fact, there's quite. A, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there are holes throughout this plot. I mean, it's it's almost like a sponge in terms of the amount of holes, to be honest. But it's like someone just thought we need explosions, and we need explosions now. But the action sequences aren't that particularly great as well. When he when he confronts the the person who is, and this happens very early in the film, so it's not really made to spoiler. But when he confronts the murderer of his wife about half an hour into the movie, um, I was so bored. I've never seen so much slow motion 
red lit footage of Vin Diesel in my life. <laughs> there you go. So oh, it's yeah, all, and, it's and, and, all and, in itself. <laughs> it's like, how slow can you make one shot? Like I, I swear there was a 30-second sequence of one bullet heading towards Vin Diesel. I think some sequences do come across as a video game cutscene because it, the film is directed by someone who has specialised in video game cutscenes. Ah. Ah. <laughs> ah, indeed. Right. Yes. So that's the problem. The pro- a lot of... A lot of um, uh, I have a real issue with a lot of video games in terms of its approach towards cinematics is the fact that it treats film as a primary source when filmmakers treat script and novels as yeah. their primary source of inspiration. Mm. So it's almost going from secondary to tertiary. And mm. it's why there's a kind of hollowness in a lot of computer games, a lot of video games, in my opinion. And now we found now we're getting to a point last 10 years in particular where a lot of action movies have taken their influence from video games. Mm. Not um, which themselves have taken influence, um, sort of superficially taken an influence from yeah. the, not the greatest examples of film, mm. and so there's, there's yeah, it, it's a it's a real bugbear of mine. And this, if that's the case, then this is another example of that. Mm. I'm sorry if that was a bit too much of a deep dive or a no, bit no, too no, incoherent. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's a good analysis. Very good it's analysis. Fine. So um. So yeah, let's uh, let's give good old Bloodshot a star rating, shall we? The the question you have to ask yourself, Christian, is is it worse than Coffee and Kareem? No, it's not worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the bar for that's the bar. I now mean, I, I was I was movies. bored, but at least I was entertained. At least the time flew by watching this. Yeah, so um, I I, 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 realize I just contradicted myself, but yeah, yeah. I sense it's it's one of those. You kind of went, yes, it's distracted me for an hour and 45 minutes. Well, right. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't entertained. I was distracted. That's the word. Because when you talk about distracted, you can be thinking many different things about the film. Maybe not positive, maybe not negative. It's a mixture of those all things. Um, but yeah, I think Bloodshot is like, I'm, it, for me, Bloodshot is a daft movie. I can, it's like, it, it, sometimes it, it can be my usual bread and butter to go to when I just want something just to distract me for a little bit and it kind of does what it says on the tin a little bit but i know it's not a perfect film it's like are you sure this isn't just a no can you not just make a simple original film rather than just bringing all the deep all the fast and furious tropes just to try and make yourself another fast and furious franchise please that sort of thing <laughs> so i i at a stretch i would say two and a half yeah two and a half sounds right to me i was i was tempted i was thinking two but no it's it's definitely yeah, two and a half. Two and a half of Bloodshot. Hooray! There we go. And that's our films for this week. Hooray! Yay! So, what about next episode? So, Christian, what's, what is the film you're picking for next episode? Uh, it was released on Netflix on the 10th this month. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. And I loved it as a child. Mm. And I haven't watched it in 20 years. So I thought it'd be nice to reevaluate Babe. Okay. Oh, yes. Good old babe. Because uh, James Cromwell got a uh, Best Supporting Actor nod for that, as well as, as the farmer. That'll, farmer. Do, that'll do, pig. That'll do, pig. That'll, that'll do. do. <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> uh, okay, and um, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick something that's currently available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature in 2019. That is Free Solo. Ooh, what's Free Solo? Free Solo is about a climber, uh, Alex 
Hold, 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 hold. Alex Hold, hold. I apologize if I've got the uh, mispronunciation <laughs> incorrect there. Uh, he attempts to become the first person to free solo climb El Capitan, which is a very treacherous looking mountain. Bloody hell. Um, I watched the trailer before we started recording because I saw it on I saw it on Disney Plus and I kind of thought, oh, this 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 looks interesting. But no, this is a guy who's 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 made a, a career out of climbing climbing mountains and that with no ropes, with nothing. And he's attempting to do this very dangerous one. And it kind of looks, and it basically got the documentary crew kind of going, why are we filming this? He might fall <laughs> at any minute. This might be a problem. Uh, please, tell me, please tell me at least, you know, Mr. Spock is on standby with a hoverboard. I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll have to watch to find that, out. That is a reference to Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. I know which it is. is. The, which is also it. the best worst Star Trek movie. I know it is, but I wasn't going to dignify it with a response. <laughs> <laughs> no one dignified that film with a response. <laughs> so yeah, El, El Capitan is a 900 meter vertical rock face at Yosemite National Park. Well, my um, my partner gets a bit freaked out by heights, so I will not be watching this with her. <laughs> I think this I think this might have been used of IMAX cameras as well. I might be oh, wrong. Cool. I might be wrong there. Well, no, this would be, no, be the first. Um, this would be the first film we've reviewed from the Disney Plus network. Yes, of course. So part of the National Geographic brand of films. Um, mm. uh, speaking, yeah, speaking of IMAX briefly, I watched uh, Mission Impossible Fallout yesterday. Um, oh yes, and Very it's good like, film. and it's like we were watching it through Sky's 4K presentation, and basically they have the IMAX scenes as they are. So basically, you go from like cinematic scope all the way up to at the screen when tom cruise is climbing up that helicopter in the finale it's like bloody hell <laughs> i i only watched the recent uh the last three uh, mission impossible movies a couple of weeks ago mm. um i felt like such an idiot for not seeing them at the cinema they're incredible i saw they're um, incredible movies i saw <laughs> this like... protocol at imax um wow. we went, i went and it's basically the bit in Dubai where Tom Cruise is a, is about to climb out onto the like the hotel window, and basically the screen li- again the screen literally just goes, it just kind of goes we're gonna get bigger, <laughs> and you just go. And considering when you see IMAX films in IMAX Waterloo, it's like you are strapped to the underside of a plane, in, yes. in a way. So basically, we just go, oh yeah, let's just show you, let's just show you the very tall Dubai hotel here, shall we? Oh no. <laughs> I mean that scene freaked me out watching it at home on my TV. So yeah. I god knows what it'd feel like in, in like the BFI IMAX. I mean Can I just the- add, why why is the BFI IMAX in London not called the BF IMAX? I don't know. You may Wait, have to ask the British Film Institute. I'm send, gonna send, I'm gonna send ask them a postcard. Send them a I'm postcard. gonna send them a sternly written letter. No telegram. Like, telegram. I'll, I'll CC my local MP. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not from London. I'm based in Southampton. But you know what? They should be the big. The big. <laughs> it's just easier to say. It's like it's like being called Ian and having two eyes in your name. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's like I, I think I've said the story time and time again. Any time you go to a coffee shop and you say my name's Ian with two eyes, and you just watch the poor barista's face implode. Where did they <laughs> put the second eye at the end? Like it's, like it's like do I do I add it at the start? Do I add do do I add it after the end? I, I I don't know. So I've I've had various different ones like hey and <laughs> and I'm just sort of going no no. I um for me I usually just ask to put a lowercase t on mine. 
I think someone called, no, 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 no. I actually, I think one of the more recent ones is, what, what's the other one? I just go, Ian. So I'm expecting, I'm just expecting uh, Ian I-A-N instead of I-A-I-N. Uh, I get my coffee and I'm called Jan. Are you sure you, are you, sure you didn't steal Jan's coffee? Uh, well, it was definitely the coffee I ordered. So, and I was the only one in the queue. <laughs> I'm going to call you Hawaiian from now on. That's my... Uh... Hello, my name is Ian. It's January and Ian combined. Ja-an-yin. Oh, God. <laughs> Bit of our, uh, Auntie Donna there, anyway. Right, so next episode, we are we are babe in it, and we are also free solo in it as well. So Don't ever say that again. I feel really uncomfortable using that pig as a, as a verb. Okay, we'll be herding sheep with babe. We'll there climbing. we go. That's we'll, better. Right. So next episode, we are herding sheep with Babe, and we're climbing dangerous rock faces in free solo. What a fun combination that's going to be. Now the question is, do you think Babe could climb <laughs> that mountain or cliff edge? I should don't, say. Don't don't give reboot film directors ideas. <laughs> it's like I've got I've got a great idea for a film. It's Babe, but he climbs rocks. I mean, we could have, theoretically, a Mad Max babe crossover. Bar, I'm you! Shiny and chrome! Witness me, oink. Witness me. <laughs> and on that oh. horrific thought process, <laughs> thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Film Raw. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts. Email us via contact at bunkzilla.co.uk along with any film suggestions you think we may be interested in covering in a future episode. But until then, I hope you have a very productive cinematic weeks and uh, we'll see you very soon. I've been Ian Bolton and I've been joined by Christian R. Allen. Goodbye. Stay cinematic. <laughs>